Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I am like so excited today to bring on two teammates. We've got Tamara Jewett and Leslie Smith and Lisa Bacaris might come on once she gets back from grocery shopping. She just texted me. So opportunities to learn more about the other side of our squad because you hear me, Jackson, Garrick all the time. This episode is going to be exclusively pertaining to what is going on for Lisa, Leslie, and Tamara right now. But Tamara and Leslie, of course, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Um, so what month are we in? Are we in end of April, near. Um, a lot of big things coming up with the first, the first Ironman World Championship here in St. George coming up. None of us are racing that or participating in that, but I'll be working the shit out of it. And maybe you'll see me on the broadcast. Um, but in other news, Leslie and Tamara, you haven't had an opportunity to race this year. Um, Tamara, you were derailed a little bit, which we'll get into as to what happened. Uh, Leslie, you are building momentum for a good, strong mid-season, late season. So that's where I want to start. Um, either of you can jump into it. Whoever goes first wins. Go. Okay. Uh, Leslie, you won. <laughs> Sounds like you, Leslie. <laughs> I made a noise first. I was just going to see if that worked. Um, yeah. So for me, no, I have not raced yet. And it's, it's crazy that it's almost may and obviously i feel a little a little bit anxious about that just seeing like miami and oceanside um you know neither of those races really just seem to make sense with my training um and my strengths and so you know instead of just making a race happen i decided to just have a focused training block for about 12 weeks um and and this is because last year i think my season was a bit too long. I think I raced a bit too much. I think the second half of the season was just a lot of me reacting to, oh, hey, oh yeah, I'll go do this race. Oh, I'll go on this trip. I'll do this. I'll do that. And that was great. And I had a lot of fun doing triathlon and hanging out with people and going on trips and, and everything like that. But I think, you know, after only racing Daytona in 2020, 2021, it was just a little bit too much, a little bit too long of a season. And I think it kind of took away from having those structured training blocks that you need, you know, to prepare for then a few races. And so that's what the goal is this year. Um, so yeah, I've gotten in, I would say, you know, maybe a little more than 12 weeks, but 12 weeks of mostly uninterrupted training. And you went to Hawaii. What'd you say? You went to Hawaii. I, yeah, I did go to Hawaii. I did go to Hawaii for 10 days. Um, that provided uh, a few interruptions, but for the most part, I, I trained still there and I was working um, at a camp there. So, I mean, it was fun work, but it was definitely work. Um, and, and I'm not complaining about the trip there at all, especially nice. when it was cold. <laughs> yeah, especially when it was cold in Boulder and I was ready for some warmth. Um, but you know, other than that, just been here at home and I'm, and ready to leave and go somewhere and race officially ready. So your goal was to maybe just go stir crazy until you're ready to go race. Yeah. I would say that that is, was a small goal or part of it. And I just think I had, I was just trying to think of the last time I had more than, you know, six weeks of just training and it was, had just been a long time. I mean, not counting the fair amount of downtime I took in December and January. That's fair. Tamara, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to ask more about the, the Hawaii trip. Cause I guess my impression had been, that was like a training camp, but it was actually, you were helping lead a camp there. Yes. I was helping lead a camp. Um, Dave Scott, who is my significant other, Ryan's father, you know, Ryan has gone with him to help out with the camps that he puts on there a few times before. And I was finally invited this time. Um, <laughs> I was pretty stoked because they had a few more people and it actually was more women than men at the camp. Hmm. And so I went there to, you know, I, and Tamara, I did train there because um, we went a couple of days before and a couple of days after, and it was nice to get outside on the bike um, and on the Kona roads. Um, 
in case I ever do that again. Um, and so I, I did do training while I was there, but it was mostly being a coach at assistant coach at Dave's camp. So it was a really cool opportunity and I'm glad I went. Yeah. Cool. Very nice. Yeah. So in Hawaii, you had a good time. You came back to frigid Boulder and then you're like, yeah. great. Now I got to do all this shit inside. Yeah. And I definitely notice, you know, living at, in Boulder around 5,000 feet in living at altitude when I, I was gone 10 days. And so there is a little bit of readjustment needed and then you're just tired from jet lag and all of that. But, you know, I got, got back on the horse and, um, yeah. And, and just went from there. Okay. And so before I switch to Tamara, Leslie, what, so you've had a very large block dedicated to you. And I applaud that. Like I even probably did a little bit more of that this year or this preseason, just yep. how long do we give ourselves a build these days? Maybe it's six to eight weeks, barely. And then the season starts and we've got like two to three rate races every two months. So it adds up quick. And then we lose all that time at home. We're traveling. Um, you know, what has been your absolute focus in terms of, or has there been like a couple broad strokes you're trying to develop, or have you been really trying to pinpoint a few weak areas within your game? So I have been trying to up the ante with the cycling and not at the expense of, you know, I've never been super high mileage with running anyways. Um, maybe a little bit less intensity running, maybe a little bit less intensity swimming. Swimming volume has stayed about the same as kind of normal, but I have put in more bike hours than, you know, than I have maybe ever overall. And so I would like to see if that is going to pay off in racing. And speaking of Hawaii, when I was at sea level, um, it was just great to like really crank it out there and, and see how I felt. Um, you know, I always say there's costs and benefits of living at altitude. So it can be nice to be at sea level and kind of see how you're doing in that sense. So that, that trip was kind of motivating for me to feel pretty good on the bike. And then I've just tried to carry the momentum since then. Um, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy. Like I'm not doing 20 hour bike weeks or anything, but just trying to be very consistent. And, you know, I do ride my NSM NS one road bike, uh, quite a bit, or I was, so I've been lately forcing myself to get on the TT bike and get in that arrow position because obviously that's the sport we're doing. So yeah, the road bike's so comfortable though. Oh I know God. it does feel comfy, especially for climbing and everything, but it can also be fun. I'm sure you both agree you know, on a TT bike, when you're feeling good to put your head down and just feel how much faster you go. So, yeah. so you're, uh, you you yeah. haven't turned into the female version of Sam Long is what you're saying on the bike. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm waiting for that to happen. I'm waiting for the, like some woman to come out and be like, oh, I spent 30 hours a week, mainly on the bike. I just, man, it's going to happen one of these days where someone just goes full in and crushes it. But anyways, yeah, 30 hours on the bike. That would be who I don't know. I'm mean, probably, okay. We'll see. It's more than my overall training time. <laughs> Me too. That's what I was just going to say. 15 hours on the bike is still a lot. Um, so Leslie, you've had a great, great build. Um, what is, so we haven't talked about this real quick. What is going to be your first kind of like target race? I mean, I would say probably Chattanooga 70.3, the North American championships yeah. I know you're gonna be there I, and Tamara and Jackson. That'll be fun. Um, you know, I'm doing St. Anthony's Olympic on the first and I want to really at that race, I just want to, you know, with only 40 K on the bike just see if I can ride really hard and see how that goes. I haven't done a, an Olympic distance. Uh, I did it one in the fall of 2019. And then before that, I don't even know. So it's a little bit of an un unknown territory, but I just think, you know, that race has a long history and they put on such a great event. So um, I'm excited to go. Good. I'm glad it's so fun. Um, yeah. that race, you just literally floor it. Like if you're driving your car, imagining yourself flooring it for about an hour and a half, and that's like what you're going to do. <laughs> it's the best. Yep. Um, Tamara, you've, man, you've had a tough start to the season for a couple reasons. Um, you've had a light bit of a, I think you got in a fight with a car then 
they the car won um it, but you got a new bike i usually do unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> and then you had about with covid um hold on one yeah. sec let's bring lisa in um she can we're still gonna stick with tamra real quick but let's get lisa going okay so we've got lisa on here she's joining but we're just checking in again um ladies obviously you're going to take over this podcast uh, that's the goal but i'm just here to kind of ask some dumb questions tamra we're asking about your recovery post car crash and how that situation played out obviously i think it was cool that you were able to connect with bike law. I think anyone who has a bike related incident should look out for them. And then also you caught, caught COVID and how has that been? So if you could touch on those two items and ladies, feel free to chime in and ask your questions if you want. Okay. Yeah. It, it was sort of interesting listening to Leslie's update and her feeling that she's starting the season very late. I feel like even though I was planning to do Oceanside, I'm going to start with Chattanooga and that'll actually probably be the earliest I've ever started a triathlon season. <laughs> so despite these setbacks, um, yeah, it should still be my earliest start to a season. And I also feel like I've, I'm in a better place than I was at this time last year. Last year, I was having a lot of knee issues and I think I was just cautiously ramping up running again at this time. Um, so, uh, it was a bit dramatic over the past few months, but, but in a bigger picture sense, I think fewer setbacks. Um, but yeah, the car incident sort of ruined a training camp, unfortunately. Um, so at the end of my first week, uh, in, uh, Tucson, I was supposed to be there for a month, sort of really building up a lot of mileage. Um, a car turned into me in a median that I was stopped in. And luckily in the scheme of bike car accidents, everything happened at sort of low speed, but I was sort of knocked off my bike onto my head um, and woke up in the ambulance thinking that I was in Florida, not Arizona, um, which, yeah. But I, I had a concussion in the scheme of concussions, though it cleared up really well, it, it took about a month for all of the symptoms to go away, but that's actually quite good for concussions. And I was able to very slowly ramp up training. Um, during that time, I sprained my shoulder, which uh, I'm still dealing with a bit in the pool. It's like slowly getting better, but I didn't break anything, which was great. When they touched my feet in the ambulance, I could feel them, which felt really good at the time. <laughs> But so when you have a concussion and it's after a bike accident, a lot of us maybe have gone down, like, how did you know for sure, like you were concussed and you needed to really back it off and like what training cues gave you that indication? Yeah, I, I think in my case, it was all really subtle. I think some people actually have very dramatic concussion symptoms, just comparing notes in terms of like coordination and things like that. But for the first 10 days, it was very extreme exhaustion. So I think like two days after the crash, I was in the pool, literally like kneeling on the bottom of the pool, doing a little bit of arm activation stuff for uh, about an hour of that. And like, maybe like a little bit of kick. And I had to sleep for like three hours after that. So there was a lot of exhaustion like that, some sort of mild vertigo in the pool. Um, and then, uh, a little bit of difficulty dealing with screens, but I mostly just avoided screens. When I started reading again, it would be sort of similar to the training where I would like read for a little bit and it would be sort of okay. And then I would need to like sleep for a few hours afterwards. So things were just wow. making me really tired. Um, and then I did work with a couple concussion physios, one in Tucson and then one once I was back home and they had a whole bunch of vision tests they did. So it would be things like um, putting my fingers sort of in different places in front of my face and having to like move my eyes back and forth between them as quickly as possible. And uh, that gradually improved. Like at first when I still had more of a concussion, I was very, very slow moving my eyes between my fingers and it would be like quite comical timing me doing it and then timing Chris and we could gradually see as it got better that that improved. Uh, Tamara, I have a, a quick thing on concussions because I didn't know much about them until I got one and then you kind of, you know, you learn a lot about it. Mm -hmm. Did you find just as to kind of, if anyone's ever wondering, you know, if they have a cr uh, crash, if they have a concussion, did you find that your symptoms, like, it's not like the symptoms start right away, 
like it took a couple, kind of a couple days for them to set in because that was my experience. Like I, at first I was like, oh no, I'm just out of it. Cause I, you know, I crashed and whatever. And, but then, oh, I feel totally fine. But then for me, yeah, symptoms kind of similar to you. It was nothing super severe, but noticeable for a little bit. It kind of set in more like a couple days later. Did you have that experience as well or? Uh, I think it's sort of hard to say, I think, cause I feel like for the first day I was mostly just so relieved that I wasn't more badly injured. And so I think, um, like I was at the hospital for quite a while cause they did quite a few tests and I was kind of like out of it and exhausted by the end of that. But my main feeling was like, oh, in the scheme of what just happened, this seems like really good. Like I'm really happy about this. Yeah, and then the, the next day I think was just kind of like dazed shock. So it's hard to tell what was concussion and what was just kind of like, you know, like my whole body was so sore, uh, the next day. And I was just kind of walking around feeling a bit dazed. And then the, the fatigue feelings, I didn't really feel until I started trying to do a bit more, but it, it was really like, I think I, I would be able to kind of put on a show of being okay while I was doing something. And then I would like get back into the car to go home and just be like falling asleep or like not able to like process anything for a little bit afterwards. So that was like the most extreme part, um, for the first few days. And, and then I did actually have, once I got back to Canada, I've been feeling pretty good by the time I left Arizona. And so my first week back, I was like, okay, I'm going to get up for my 4.30 AM swim commutes again. And I'm going to be back at work full time. And I have all of this wedding planning I have to do. And I, I tried to just um, put everything back right away. And I, I found not like bad, bad symptoms, but I had a bit of a resurgence of symptoms. And I mostly right. just had to like, I, I could still keep doing things, but I had to cut out stuff for a little bit and then slowly right. build it back in. Totally. It's just treating it like a leg injury, really, you know? Um, and, and I would say, I'm sure you have a lot of tips, but yeah, it's about taking that downtime for your brain to heal. And yeah. And like, like you said, it's just, it was such a relief. It wasn't worse. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, I guess I would also say with the concussion, like this was my first experience with one and it, I can see why they are tough injuries for people to deal with and for people to like support people with because a lot of it was pretty subtle but just was so off for my normal um so it was like I felt sometimes too like is this just like something I'm overly focused on or like honestly am I imagining this and then once I did feel 100% I was like oh, okay good yes I was feeling really off this 100% yeah. does feel a lot different and that's really tricky that. guys um, girls girls it's like going through a divorce it's like the emotional damage is so deep <laughs> that no one can see it uh well uh, this is a random this is way off topic we said divorce and then I started thinking about marriage and you know like four people well, is this public knowledge? I don't know. We got, we got a lot of people getting married this year that have gotten married. Tamara's <laughs> getting married like, this year. Yeah. Yeah. Very soon. Oh, I got married too. And you got married. And like Jackson got married like October. Not that ba long basically ago. this year. Yeah. <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> <the> Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, it's okay. We can, we can. <laughs> You're kind of essentially married, but. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> domestic like ownership kind of that's actually that's a great way to describe it yeah, yeah. um okay Tamara COVID <laughs> COVID so I, okay raise your hands who's had COVID me Leslie Tamara Lisa's been safe apparently I, I don't know I, I I there's no chance that I have not had it but me and my, none of my roommates have so I don't know if, I don't if know. you've been I, sick with some sort of respiratory thing in the past few years, you probably had it. You had a runny <laughs> the only nose. Thing I've had is like a yeah, I've had runny noses. <laughs> I only had a really bad sinus infection last May. Um, knock on wood, I I haven't yeah, I haven't been really sick this past year. So Tamara, <laughs> so Lisa is obviously um, naturally vaxxed. Okay, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tamara, how has your um, comeback been from? Um, wasn't it an acute sickness or did it hit you pretty hard? It was pretty mild, but then it hung on for a little bit. Um, so, but I'm, I'm back to hundred percent now. So, so no like lingering, lingering effects. I found that the main symptoms I had were like a 
cold with a really, really bad sore throat feeling. And that cleared up pretty quickly. And I think, I think I only missed one full day of training and otherwise kind of was like building back in aerobic stuff. But, but then this sort of like very mild chest congestion, difficulty breathing with training really hung on for like a good 10 plus days after I already felt better. And that got pretty disconcerting. (laughs) Um, and I had, I had one day too, where like with a normal, like with a cold, I would normally, once I started feeling better, assume that like, even as I built training back in, I would gradually continue to be better. And I had one day where like, I thought for like the past three days I'd been feeling better. And then I was back to like aches and chills and fatigue. That was also, it was just like a different pattern from what I'm used to being sick. So it was a little disconcerting. Agreed. Um, my experience has been similar. I still hack up like white blood cells after really, really hard, like efforts. Like I've just got some craziness in the lungs. Lisa, you just keep laughing. Go ahead. I, I'm laughing. I'm like, he pulls out his microscope and just examines the white blood cells. <laughs> no, like when you have got white blood cells. Well, the only thing you can shed in your lung tissue that you're hacking up is like a conglomerate of that, that cell tissue. I have a lot of boogers in my nose. Are those but white yours blood is, cells? Yours is just boogers. <laughs> Okay. So Lisa, now that we've got you on, um, a good, good opportunity, obviously Tamara, thank you for sharing your experience. Um, especially with the crash and, oh, wait, real oh, quick. wait, wait, I just, by claw, is that what you're yeah, going to bring yeah. up again? Yeah. How yeah. Yeah. So, so we're still sorting out. Um, I don't know exactly what's happening with my medical expenses. Like the last message I got about that was just a message from the hospital saying they have a claim against any insurance that I get, but I'm still sorting out reimbursements for damage to my bike. My bike was pretty just, I had to replace my bike. So, um, uh, which I'm just out of pocket for now, but we're working on the insurance claim. So, so basically a bunch of triathletes put me in touch with bike law, which is this great organization that is mostly in the U S but they do have a lawyer in Toronto as well. So they, they do do some Canadian law and it's personal injury lawyers who are, um, specialized basically in, in bike accidents. Um, and, uh, I think my case is pretty straightforward. So I, I think, um, so far it seems like everything's gone well, and I don't need to get into any sort of messy litigation. We're just trying to deal with sort of processing insurance claims, but I was really sort of stressed about dealing with Arizona law in this context, which I don't know much about. And I've had bad experiences with medical bills in the States and they were just, they've been very helpful and comforting to deal with. And, um, they're very knowledgeable about bikes. So like, it's been great to talk to a lawyer who, when I'm trying to go through evaluation of my bike for, uh, claims around damage to it, they like actually understand different parts of a bike or what it is. And and then also sort of like my, um, livelihood as a, as a triathlete, it's, it's something that they deal with a lot and I didn't have to like spend a lot of time explaining to them. So they're a great organization. And, uh, their fees are based on percentage of, um, uh, like, like damage awards that you would get. So yeah. they don't, they don't have like a fee that you have to pay up front. So, um, we don't get yeah, paid really great. unless you get paid. <laughs> yeah. Which, which I feel a little bad. Like it's a little stressful when like, I don't think that I'm going to have some kind of big like litigation claim that they will be paid from. So I feel a little bit badly that they're ending up just helping me deal with a whole bunch of insurance paperwork, but it's been really, really helpful to have their, their help with this. That that's really cool. And I had no idea that existed. So I think it's good. You're sharing that, um, you know, with the crowd who will most likely be listening to this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Since one of us or will know somebody who have been touched by this type of car related incident bike or car related incident with some point within our career so it's gonna it's a matter of usually when and how bad is it unfortunately uh, especially with the roads getting more congested um so lisa uh, you were just here in utah training uh, we got to see you for a minute how did you how'd you feel about your camp and what what what's your what's your anecdotal story for why you're not racing next um well yeah camp was camp was good it was two weeks is kind of a long time for for camp to be honest especially Um, at julie dibbins camp apparently 
No, yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. So like I was ready to go home, like when I was ready to go home. So it was good. It was, um, it was great for the people that were preparing for Ironman world champs. So like Matt Hansen, Justin Metzler and, um, Laura Siddall were all preparing. So they're like, we just had like a range of like athletes in different preparation states. So you have people who are like in peak form, probably of their life, getting ready for one of the biggest races in a couple of weeks. And then I'm like flopping around, like riding mountain bikes over here, trying to like not in make a knee injury, like worse than it is. <laughs> so it was, um, it was good. I'm happy, very happy to be home. Uh, Utah's really dry and something there I'm very allergic to. So I had like teary eyes the whole time. My nose was running the whole time. So I might be allergic to some pollen in the air at that time, but, um, but yes, happy to be home and yeah. Um, just dealing with a little bit of a weird VMO knee inner knee thing right now. Um, and you had this at clash, right? Yeah, I, it like started like a week before Clash Miami, which is really annoying because um, up until then, I, I had a great training camp in California earlier in the winter, and it was probably in some of the best bike shape of my life at that point. And then I feel like just since then, I've just lost uh, a lot of fitness, you know, like the CTL line on Trading Peaks. Oh, yeah, that like, blue line of uh, I think I I purposely or not purposely, but it's convenient broke my training peaks. Like for some reason I must've entered something incorrectly. And it, it just has like, basically just registers numbers that are too high for it to register. So so it's great because I never have to deal with its judgment. Well, yeah, that's, and that's my issue is like, Julie's like, don't pay attention. That's stupid. I'm like, okay, great. But you see, I was up here and now I'm down here. Like I, and this is what I feel like I'm down here, <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyways, that's the blue line has gone down significantly. Wow. So did you swim a lot in, in Utah then swim. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we swam like six days a week. Um, and some like pretty gnarly sets and she made us get in wetsuits a lot, which if you know me and like hot and heat, like I'm not, that's like, I'm anti-heat and you put me in a wetsuit in like an 82 degree pool. Like I, and swimming hard, like I'm just overheating constantly and, um, just, yeah, very, I'm not, I'm not my, like in my best self in those moments. Cause I'm just so frustrated and hot and I'm like, I might, I'm going to pass out or I'm going to slow down. It's one of those two, like, and so I usually just slow down. So, so relating to that topic real quick. Lisa, we, we know for sure you don't like hot races or humidity. They just haven't been your friend. I am going to put in some research to see what it, what it looks like to reprogram your body's internal thermometer, because I believe that mine has been adjusted somehow as well. Cause I used to be fine in colder water, like now in a pool of like 78 degrees, I can't last more than like I don't know, like 20 minutes before my pinky starts oh. to get numb. So, and I, and I've swam in Iceland. I've done open water swims in Iceland. I used to just be great at it. So now I just can't do anything that well. So I want to figure out how I can adjust myself. And I take cold showers, by the way, I do what I can, oh but I got to figure out, can't do that. <laughs> maybe I yeah. need to go like magic mushrooms and like get in some ice water and like, remember this is normal or something. Or anyways, I'm going to try to figure out why you, how we can adjust your thermal regulation and my cold regulation. Yeah. But I'd still like to be like still good and cold. Cause I'm like, you put a 40 degree like race weather and I will probably thrive. Oh, that sounds uh, terrible. Yeah. No, but Leslie's like, I, need I, to have be no, what is, I have no idea what 40 degrees is <laughs> it's outside uh-huh. of my range of Fahrenheit temperatures. I know. Um, 40 degrees is Maybe probably like, like five degrees Celsius. Yeah. Okay. Like okay. So it's pretty cold for race today. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would be uncomfortable at the start for sure. Lisa and I, Lisa and I have talked about the fact that even though we want to go to races together, we should probably go to like the opposite races. races. Leslie's going to go to like hilly, hot, humid places. And I'm like going to Antarctica flat (laughs) roads and we'll, and then it'll be great. (laughs) Perfect. So races, uh, races that are coming up, Lisa, um, what are your hopes um, I think to be honest, I think I've obviously scratched St. Anthony's. I think I'm scratching, um, LA try and, um, Chatty. I was hoping to Den- go to Denmark in June, but I think I'm going to scratch that too, because that seems like a far way to travel, uh, with kind of some unknowns. So it honestly might be like Watkins Glen. 
I just kind of want, I don't want to get to a start line and maybe, I don't know if you guys have felt this too. I feel like there's way more pressure this year. Like, and maybe I'm not dealing with it in the best way in the sense that like, since the PTO has come about, obviously there's like way more money on the line. There's all these PTO points and it's really frustrating to like go to a race and feel like you're not on top of your game when you have just these athletes that are always seem to always be firing on every cylinder. Like it doesn't feel like there's any like a, such thing as like a training race anymore. Like you're like not allowed to like race into shape. It's like, Oh, you better be 110% yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely feel, um, I feel that pressure a little bit, to be honest. And so I'm like more hesitant to put myself on a start line when I know I'm not feeling like in a great place fitness wise. So, yeah. Well, that's also, that, go ahead, Leslie. I was just going to say also, I mean, like to be cliche, the time is flying by and it's almost May. So July 9th, I mean, that's just like another block of training. And then, you know, that actually isn't that far away. So, no. yeah. So I don't know. I just like to get to a start line healthy and feeling good. Um, and I, I, I have a hard time saying that I've, I've gotten to a start line in the past like year, hundred percent healthy and hundred percent feeling good, which is a little bit of a bummer. So I'm really, that's kind of my main focus is get to health, like a start line healthy, which has always been my biggest issue in my triathlon career. So if I can get to start line healthy, I think it'd be okay. So I think that there's a lot of good logic, Lisa, in what you're doing now. Um, if you look at the top, you know, 20 in the world, they do show up to races when they're ready and not just to chase whatever various reason. And I think that comes along with, um, you know, being more of a veteran of the sport and understanding like, and I, and I've been more than guilty every year after year. And I'm like, I'm going to race less. And Jackson's like, I thought you were going to race less. And then I end up not racing less or less travel. So I, I understand now more than ever showing up. Did I black out? <laughs> I think so. My gosh. <laughs> well, you didn't black out for much, but I think you just blacked out internally. <laughs> no, 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 I just saw all of your faces freezing. And I was like, uh oh, this is my fault. <laughs> um, so, anyways, back back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Um, so I would say for sure, I think there's a lot of merit in showing up, like even with PTO points and that's why the PTO is great is you just show up to less races and you can have higher quality results and get paid more money without racing everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, I got that out. <laughs> we got it. We got it. Yeah, we got it. I, yeah. I think too, Lisa, like it's so important to listen to what your tummy tells you about racing. So maybe in one year it would be the right decision to like go slightly injured and you're just getting a race in and you really want to be in Denmark or whatever it is. But if that's not what's feeling right, like I think sometimes it's just how you feel about it is a really important factor. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the same every year yeah. either or for every like race phase. Are, so this can be answered individually or whoever has the best answer um, or first answer, but like, do you like to race at least the same race back to back um, year, like year to year in terms of, I want to know that I've improved on that course or I want to go to familiarity or do you like to pick races that are like totally new um, unknown, like what determines your race picking these days? Cause that's a big, you know, question. Uh, for me, um, I, I'm still disappointed that Texas 70.3 did not have a pro field this year. Cause I love that race. Galveston. Oh, a fat, yeah, Galveston. Flat, fast. yeah. Flat, fast. I love that race. Uh, but for me, I actually, this was something I kind of made a vow to myself at the end of last year that like this year, I'm only choosing races that excite me. Um, because last year I started just kind of like, I was like, Oh, there's a race on the calendar. I'm going. So this year I just really wanted to put races on the schedule that excite me. So, um, and more so I'm like probably favoring, like choosing races that suit my strengths a little too much than I am like other races, which is also something that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you can show up confident and know that you can unleash the fury, then there's no better feeling. Tamara, what are you using to pick your races? Uh, I think I'm just trying to think of what repeat races I've done. I think Augusta might be the only one. I'm still pretty new to this, but I, I really like uh, a mix. So I think um, 
my overall sort of experience of triathlon is I like that it's really different from what I was doing for a lot of my athletic career. And I like the variety that comes in because I was a track athlete. So it's a lot of going to a 400 meter track built the same way that it's built anywhere else in the world and running loops around it. And I, I really like exploring different courses in triathlon. So that's fun. Um, uh, but it was kind of nice to do Augusta. I guess it wasn't even two years in a row because 2020 happened, <laughs> but, yeah. but to, to have a repeat on that, that course and have a better sense of what to expect there. I think I would get really bored if I did that with most of my season, but to sort of throw in a familiar race here and there, uh, with mostly new races, I kind of like at this point. Perfect. So, yeah, um, it's been a interesting few years for our sport and it's still, trying to grow and find its footing and figure out what it actually stands for with competing bodies of relativity and money, all that stuff. So, you know, our team is obviously a little bit different. We're just trying to survive and, and make the best of it and, and fit in within the madness. But I think, I don't know, I think you ladies represent a pretty strong demographic of hardworking individuals, getting it done with, with jobs on the side, even though, some of you may not have to do it. Like sometimes it's just after training, what else might as well earn some money if you can. So there's no shame there, but how do you feel like our sport in terms of diversity for women is like really changing and has it? Yeah. Deep question. I don't know if I can speak to like the overall numbers of, of females in triathlon, but I can tell you one thing is that women professional at triathletes are getting a lot faster. Yes. Um, it's getting, yeah. So I think to be honest, that's going to be like a trickle down effect. The more fast women you have, I think uh, by and large, you're just going to get more women into the sport. Um, hopefully I, I would agree. I think people are getting faster. The fields are all getting deeper, which you know what might as well, if we're going to do it, might as well have it be, you know, a high, a high level experience. And one thing I will say too, is that I've noticed at least in triathlon, the men and women do the same distance because that is not the case in Nordic skiing nor cross country running. Yeah, from yeah that's true. Yeah, no, there's been a huge controversy in, in Canada about cross country right. and varsity, uh, yeah. or I guess in university, you guys confusingly call high school varsity. We call university varsity for oh, sport. That's so yeah, there's just yeah. a little things that are- What? Different. Yeah, yeah, I always, when I'm in the States, I'm like, oh yeah, I ran on the varsity team. And they're like, oh, that's cool. But what did you do in university? And I am so confused. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, um, that's funny. But yeah, that, I mean, that is something that I have thought about because I've had people ask me a couple of times, like, oh, is it always this, I swear I've been asked are men and women doing the same distance. I'm like, well, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, well, in other sports, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, that's true. Well, and in, in road cycling, it's not the case. Yeah. It's like very different there. Another one. Yeah. So I'll give Traff on a pat on the back for that. Yeah. And I think like having an equal prize purses is huge. Like mm -hmm. so many sports don't have that. So now we just need like equal prize purses, but bigger that pay deeper for all these really deep fields. Yeah. As a male onlooker, I can't wait to see the gaps between the top 10 women become much tighter. Like I love yeah. seeing a competitive race out there where 10th place may not be an hour behind, you know what I mean? That's really important to me to see the sport grow for the female side. I, I do think that there are races that, uh, and, and I'm not saying it needs to be females pitted against males here, but I do think there are races where the female field from like five to 10 is close and very competitive compared to the male field. And I feel like that never gets mentioned. Yeah. yeah. And it just drops off quicker, like for the women, um, just cause I, I guess I do still find, yeah, like the men's fields tend to be much bigger and there seem to be more men who are willing to do the pro race, not being at the top of the pro race. Yeah. Women. That's true. women seem to like Good exclude point. themselves if they don't feel like they're at a certain level more than men do. Yeah. Oh no. We've said this many times on the podcast, women make smarter decisions during the race and probably for race decisions. Like guys are just like, what a race. All right. I'm in. Well, I just raced last weekend. Whatever. I, I think it's nice to have a big field though. I mean, like the women's fields last year were really big. And I liked that when I, in 2019 in Buenos Aires, I think there were only like 
eight or 10 women in the race, but quite a few men. And like, it just feels so lonely at the start. And in the swim, I think there's like huge dynamic changes versus like big fields and little fields, because it gets like in a big mass swim start by and large, like, especially like us three, cause we're similar swim abilities. I think we're pulled along way faster in a big field opposed to like ones where we're like, Oh, there's Taylor Nib and that group. Yeah. That is such a good point. And I will say again, not pitting males versus females, you but can't I, always, do it. I feel like men usually have more people, you know, as a consequence of that to swim by and to bike with legally, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? That is one thing that I think a small women's field that's, that's a detriment. Yeah. You barely, even when you watch like these Ironman, like televised races, you, you really rarely see women's packs of women together on the bike. Yeah. Very, very you ride smart. What? Because you ride smart. Like all the guys are like, I got to stay with everyone, <laughs> even if it kills me and, and <laughs> it'll kill me eventually. Yeah. And then I'll be gone. I'll be gone. If on the it, run, if it is gone. a really small field though, sometimes it's just by the time you're getting on the bike, it's so spread out. You don't see anyone again until the run yeah. and you're just out <laughs> there on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no woman's land. I've been in no woman's land many a time. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, I, I remember, I think Boulder last year was one of the first races where I had people around me for most of the bike. And I was like, this is so much more fun. Yeah. Well, I, I don't you guys it. have to deal with those asshole age group men who ride up into the women's field sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes in Des Moines last year, there was this guy and you, we all, Nick, did you race there? Yeah. No. When it was cut I, short on the bike yeah, yeah, yeah. so like I, I had caught an age group or a pro male on the race and like I'm like I should not be catching any pro ma- men on the race like I'm not a not a front group swimmer like I shouldn't and I just remember like trying to come around him and I'm like I'm on your left like I'm coming past you like in on the way into the park and he was so pissed and I'm like, I need to get around you now because I don't want to get a drafting penalty. Like back, like get, you're in my race. Did he have and bright was, pink oh. hair? Uh, he didn't. Okay. No, no, no. no. I, is- I definitely find the dynamic frustrating where every once in a while, it seems like an, an age grouper who is passing you on the bike is just really pleased with himself for passing a pro woman. And you're kind of, and, it, and I've had at least one instance where someone like worked really hard to pass me and then slowed down, sat up and started taking in nutrition. And it's just so frustrating because then I have to like work to get around as soon as I pass again. Oh, oh no, now I'm behind her. I need to like pass. And it like, it just messes up my dynamic. Sometimes makes me lose contact with the female rider ahead of me that I'm trying to keep in sight. And I kind of feel like this guy is so pleased with himself for passing me but he's not even really part of my race or the dynamics that I'm trying to focus on like just he's just making you burn burn on yeah yeah so like pass me if you're gonna pass me but don't pass me and then sit up and eat right and and that and I've had that happen too and that's what I always think it's like that's fine but it should just be an etiquette thing no matter male female who it is if you're gonna if we're in a non-drafting race and you know and we're riding fairly where then you do have to fall back if you're going to pass someone, you better keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah. Keep up the pace. Um, yeah. Like your, your only goal shouldn't be to like pass me and then you can slow down because it's messing up like a race that you're not really engaged with. Totally. totally. Okay. I see, like, you know, there's like swim lane etiquette. There's track etiquette. There should be, there should be like bike etiquette. Don't pass so, someone and slow down immensely. So another good question about that, because that is definitely a problem I even notice, and it bothers me to see it when I'm watching a broadcast, like watching Taylor Nib ride through at Oceanside, like the, the tailing men's group, like they were not really letting up and letting her go. They were kind of, it was a conflict and that can throw up, throw off your, your momentum. Like, cause then you've got to, you've got to do something different than you would originally do if you had the open road. So I, I empathize that it needs to like change, but what, in your opinion is a fixed action. Like, do you like having a bigger gap between the pro men or do you like having a bigger gap for the age group men? At Timberman, there was a bigger gap, I think, because it was only a women's pro field. There was no men's pro field. And I thought it was way better. I don't know if it was also like just the nature of the course. Fewer people caught up. We didn't see any of the whole, did Maybe. I, I, I didn't, it wasn't a, to me, it wasn't a factor in, in yeah. that race. Yeah. And I, I know it was a bigger gap. I forget exactly what the gap. I think five is as most I've ever seen it. Yeah. Five minutes. But yeah. so, so in your opinion, would you like maybe have a three minute gap to the pro men since the 
the, the statistics of you riding into them are lower? Or would you like to maybe have like an eight minute gap after you start between the eight to the next age group wave? I, I guess. Oh, sorry. Oh, well, I just, um, the rules for the pro men are the same for the pro women. So I find the pro men are more aware of sort of racing bike etiquette. Yeah. Um, the age group rules are different. They're different levels of age group riders. They're like more or less engaged with what the rules are. And, and so I think having the pros closer together to me seems better than having the age group and pro race is better. Also the stakes in the pro race are a little different than yeah. the age group race. I agree. That's, that's some good logic. And I agree 100%. Yeah. Okay. So any race directors out there who are listening with your friend or your brother-in-law as a race director, you just tell them you give those pro females longer time between the age group start of the race. Do it. Also, can I say one more thing kind of on this topic is I don't want to sound bitter and I don't have any specific examples, but I think sometimes too, the media vehicles like it's a little bit of a hard oh. balance because i want triathlon to have coverage i want it to have media i want there to be live stream it's good for the sport all of that but the reality is is even if the moto is riding to the side of someone you're yeah, it is an advantage. And I'm, and I'm not saying, oh, there's these huge, the, these races would have came out completely different. I'm not saying anything extreme. I just think that's something as far as like race dynamics on the bike that the sport needs to look at as well. I agree. I think they need to just figure out some boom mechanism with, I, but the problem, I think the main issue is there's just not enough space for everybody. So yeah. maybe like pro races, like what clash endurance is doing. Yep. They provide an atmosphere, which is separates media and, you know, the race, because there's plenty of space. So I think that that platform, even like WTS stuff is just awesome to watch, but yeah, traditionally every single pro race I go to in the pro briefing, men's and women's, everyone's complaining about, can we get those media Facebook live motos out of the group? Cause it's like, Clearly we've seen them drafting, like, even if it's for 10 seconds, we've seen it, but yeah. it happens, but I, I don't know, maybe it's par for the course until we get something to fix it. Growing. Yeah. No one cares about my performance on the bike, so I don't have to engage <laughs> with this dynamic. Camera, camera Cameras don't show up until positions. partway through the run. <laughs> yeah. Camera came off the bike 16th, but she finished uh, second. <laughs> Well, I, just, I remember so, out of the water. So yeah, I just remember so clearly in Augusta, like, I think I was like six starting the run or something like that. And I was like, okay, well, see what I can do. And like, gradually as the race went on and on and on, I had like more and more cameras shoved in my face. And I was like, okay, I guess it's going well. But at the start, it's like, who is this person? We don't care. <laughs> no, we don't care about you until the last minute. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I'm running out of time for you ladies. Um, anything else you'd like to, to talk about for the season, for your objectives, for anything you'd like to see different? Leslie, I see a, a, a hand raise. Um, this isn't on the topic you said, but I wanted to ask Tamara how her wedding planning is going because she's getting married the week before. Yes. Yes. before when? Uh, the weekend before Chattanooga. Which oh, wow. It's actually really funny. I was on a, um, I think it was in, it was a New Zealand or Australian podcast last year. And, uh, I listened to their full episode and before they interviewed me, they were like talking about some races in, I think, I think the races at least were in Australia and they were like, Oh, um, you know, I wonder was such and such there. Oh no, she wouldn't have been because she got married just the weekend before. And I was listening to it being like, oops, that's like my plan for the North American championship next year. And they had this whole thing about like, Oh, like ha imagine if your partner like dragged you to a race the weekend after your wedding. But well, he um, knows what you're marrying into. He knows what he's yes, marrying into. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and at least it wasn't the same weekend and I didn't have to cancel my wedding for a race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so um, is, has the planning been stressful or has it been pretty easy or something uh, it, like I think in the scheme of things pretty easy I think it does just add in a few extra chores that should feel like just just like really enjoyable and not hard to fit in but with like a part-time work training balance have been stressful so like I had to spend half a day doing like a hair test which was a lot of fun to have my hair I done nicely but I was also it. like yeah it looked really good so yeah 
Thanks. I, thanks. Like, yeah. I thought but, you just but, did that for fun. Well, <laughs> I, I was, did. But, but, but like going for the hair test, she's like, okay, so like make sure that your hair is like nicely dried and like cleaned the day before. And so then I'm like, shoot, I guess I can't do my swim workout that morning. I'll have to do it at a different time of day. And so, so those logistics are like, they shouldn't be stressful, but they just, you know, like time management Tetris piles. Oh, up. No, no. For a triathlete, <laughs> anything outside of that plan for the day is like, it's yep. ex- exponentially terrible. Ask Leslie. We all know we've seen the videos. <laughs> <laughs> I got a plan. <laughs> um, but yeah, cool. it's just, a, it's just at my parents' house. So a lot of it's pretty straightforward and yeah. Oh, it's at your parents. Okay, fun. Well, we'll have to see the pictures. Are you going to live stream it? I am not, <laughs> but there will be nice pictures, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> well, we're very excited. Um, you know, marriage is actually pretty damn awesome. Um, we're, we're t- trying to take anybody who will take Lisa though. Anyone yeah. Take Lisa. <laughs> someone comment. <laughs> someone comment on my Instagram post yesterday and just said, "Are you single?" <laughs> she just said, "New phone. Who this?" Yeah, I was like, "Ah, uh, who is this? I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know who the person is." And then I, you know, I may answer the question. Sorry, Timmy Winslow made some comment and was like, he said something about like, "Get after it," or like, "Go for it." I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, well, yes. Lisa, people, people get married when they're part of this team. Um, it's just a part I, of the equation. So Leslie, oh my, are we getting a proposal tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know when. Uh, did you know Leslie's birthday is on Monday? The big uh, three, three. Yeah, I'm only <laughs> 33. Did you know? <laughs> Leslie, you're Benjamin buttoning this shit. <laughs> I love it. Leslie, he's what are you gonna, gonna do? He's gonna come to to happy hour tomorrow. Um, it's an excuse okay. to have a happy hour. Is pretty much what my adult birthdays are these days. We're gonna That's drink fun. some pina coladas and margaritas, margaritas. Yeah. What's your what's your token birthday drink, Leslie? Well, I'm gonna have one margarita, and I I'm saying one because I not multiple margaritas is all I'm saying. Okay. Just some and shots. Of we want to try to find Lisa her pina colada. Yeah, pina colada it. or penis alada. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that on a joke. So dumb. <laughs> it's terrible. The things that get ingrained to your mind in, as a high school boy. And that was one of those videos I saw on YouTube as a kid. Anyways, this is so the podcast listeners won't be able to see Leslie's expression. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Nick. Um, so i really thoroughly enjoyed having all three of you on the podcast this has been great we got to do it again um hopefully post race you know where we're going to be racing so look for our race reports check out our youtube channel we'll have tons of fun content check out lisa's reels she's trying to get to a hundred thousand views on one reel any i don't know (laughs) which one but we're getting there Leslie, Tamara, thank you so much. And we'll see you soon, right? Right. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. Thanks. See you soon, guys. All right. So you got to give us the peace out. Ready? Peace. 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 I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise on a one man mission trying to see it through.